0: 4.6 billion
2: The Earth forms
0: Cambrian 542 million Complex life explodes Permian Triassic 251 million 90% of species die Cretaceous Tertiary 65 million
2: Meteor kills the dinosaurs
0: 55 million Primates appear 2.3 million Pleistocene 200,000 Humans 20,000
1: Agricultural
0: 250 revolution.
1: Industrial
0: Revolution 60. With Great animals. acceleration
1: The Anthropocene Welcome to Generation Anthropocene. I'm Leslie Chang. Today's episode is titled Sounds of the Ocean, which pretty much speaks for itself. Doesn't need a long introduction, but I will say that for me, this piece is not just a celebration of sound and science. It's also a reminder of how much we don't know, how much more there is to be discovered in the world, and how valuable it can be when we take the time to listen. Your student producer Megan Shea. Take a moment and imagine the sounds of a rainforest. What
2: kinds of stories can we tell from these sounds? You might be hearing a lot of different species, which says something about biodiversity. Maybe you hear the sounds of predator attacking prey, and now you understand part of the food web. We're pretty familiar with rainforest sounds, Birds, wind, rain, animal noises. So it's not that challenging to use these sounds to start telling a story about what's happening in the ecosystem. Now imagine the sounds of a coral reef. Like rainforests, coral reefs are some of the most biodiverse ecosystems on the planet. But what do they sound like?
0: The first thing that you hear is this constant crackling in the background. It sounds a little bit like frying bacon. And that's, that's actually the sounds of snapping shrimp. So you hear hundreds of snapping shrimp communicating or possibly hunting, which are producing these uh, miniature sonic booms heard throughout the reef.
2: This is Julius Piercy. He specialized in marine sounds for his PhD. These days, he's working as a government scientist, advising on ocean issues in the UK. Julius recorded the sounds you just heard from a healthy reef in the Philippines. If you were underwater and listening really closely, you could probably hear a lot of these noises. But to get the full depth of sound, Julius uses a special underwater microphone called a hydrophone.
0: you can hear the sounds of uh, fish, which are the grunts and drums and pops, which are happening, interspersed throughout that recording. And those are really the two main elements that, that create the sound of, of, a, of a reef. So this crus- invertebrate sound of crustaceans and then the sound of, um, of fish,
2: If Julius hadn't described this recording to me, I probably would have never guessed that those crackles were coming from a vibrant coral reef. But the ocean is actually a much noisier place than I could have ever imagined, filled with bleeps and bloops and crunches and choruses, many of which are still yet to be discovered. Today, we'll be taking an audio tour of the oceans with Julius, and along the way, we'll learn about a relatively new contributor to marine soundscapes, us. If you've thought about ocean sounds before, you might have thought of these singing mammals the humpback whales. Male humpback whales produce complex vocalizations during mating season, and scientists believe that these songs help with mate selection. But Julia studies sounds that come from much smaller creatures, mainly fish. As it turns out, fish make a lot of noise. While whales get all the credit for ocean songs, fish sometimes create a sort of chorus together too. Just like birds get louder at dusk and dawn, some fish also get noisier when the sun is rising and setting. But when the time of the year and the phase of the moon signal that it's time to start mating, these fish choruses get even more pronounced. And sometimes, Julius is in the right place at the right time with his underwater microphone.
0: They all start producing sounds, and this is really quite an amazing event. A few days before the event, um, perhaps at night time, you start getting a few of these fish arriving, and you can hear these distinct sounds that they're producing, like a croak. The next day it builds up a little bit more, and you'll hear this this sound slowly starting to merge into one big roar, Uh, as all the fish come together and the different sounds that they produce um, start completely uh, merging into one and you really can't distinguish them anymore they're really special moments because sometimes you know nobody would know that that's actually happening underwater. And here you are in the pitch black and you're listening to an amazing event on the coral reef.
2: And some fish even take it a step farther, making sounds that can best be described as beatboxing. In one of Julius's favorite recordings, one or more grunts lay down a beat.
0: So I think these are two fish which are communicating nearby, or possibly it is one fish which is uh, trying to attack a mate and that has the deeper booming voice. And every now and then there's a little one that's probably not too far away that has a slightly uh, shriller voice and uh, is also trying to interject every now and then to sort of say, hey, hi, I'm here as well, come and check me out too.
2: You've probably noticed that there's a staticky sound in the background of a lot of these recordings, These crackles come from snapping shrimp. Like the fish we've already heard, snapping shrimp use sound for communication. But they use sound to hunt, too.
0: They essentially have this modified claw, which is shaped a little bit like a gun. So um, they're also called pistol shrimp for this reason. And they produce a really fast jet of water from this gun that they use to stun or to kill their prey. And it's so fast that uh, it, it creates a vacuum behind it, and micro-bubbles in the water implode and creates a, what we call a sonic boom. So you might be familiar with this sound from what's created when uh, you, you crack a whip, for example. This... this jet of water they produce not only creates this sonic boom behind it, but uh, it also has so much energy in it that for a fraction of a second it reaches the temperature of the sun and creates a flash of light.
2: to Julius, I had no idea that so many fascinating sounds happen underwater, from fish choruses to beatboxing to snapping shrimp sonic booms. It's usually hard to separate all of these many layers of sound in a recording, so the ones that we just listen to are special, because Julius can actually identify noises coming from specific fish and crustaceans. But in reality, these choruses and raps are just small elements of the much larger soundscape underwater. Any single noise doesn't tell us very much on its own, but an entire soundscape can tell us a whole story.
0: What I was trying to do is actually not to treat this as a sound being produced by a certain animal, but actually take the properties of the soundscape itself, so the whole environment of sound that's being produced and try to look for particular patterns or particular shapes that describe the sound that's being produced as a whole.
2: And just by listening to the soundscape of a reef, scientists like Julius are figuring out how to estimate the biodiversity of a marine ecosystem without ever looking at it. These sounds are valuable to researchers, but they're even more important for the creatures living on the reef. We use the sounds to answer questions. Fish need the sounds to survive. When reef fish and crustaceans are born, they often drift out to the open ocean to mature. They want to avoid getting eaten by all the predators that hang out by the reef. But once they're big enough to settle, they want to find their way back to the reef again. And that's the tricky part. The ocean is a vast open place, and coral reefs are only a small part of it. But sound can actually travel super far underwater, much farther than light does, so you can hear a coral reef before you can see it. So, little fish and crustaceans use sound to navigate their way home. Julius studies how this process works in different types of reefs, from remote, untouched reefs to those that have been damaged by overfishing or coral bleaching. And in comparing these different reefs, Julius found something surprising.
0: Now, one of the most important things, I think, that uh, came out of my studies was that some heavily impacted reefs ended up uh, producing sound which was 10 times lower than what could be heard from a healthy reef.
2: So humans are actually changing the soundscapes that reefs produce, and that makes it harder for fish to come back and settle on those reefs. Let's listen again to that healthy coral reef that we started with. Now, here's the sound of a similar but degraded reef, a reef that has been damaged by humans.
0: One of the very obvious things which you can hear between an impacted reef versus a healthy reef is that a healthy reef, because it has a much bigger fish community living on it and a diverse community probably as well it actually has many different sounds of fish being produced whilst on the impacted reef sometimes it's completely devoid of any fish sounds if climate change causes coral bleaching and that happens over an extended period of time then uh, the the corals Uh, we, We see a significant loss of corals, which then disrupts the ecosystem, and we see a respective loss of fish, or loss of diversity of fish, as algae take hold of the reef.
2: Coral reefs are like bustling cities in the middle of a vast, vast desert. But as we damage them and change their soundscapes, these important ocean hotspots will become even harder to find. And without healthy fish coming back to repopulate damaged reefs, how will they ever recover? When Julius goes out to a reef to collect his sounds, he only gets a snapshot. He leaves the hydrophone floating nearby, sometimes with some pretty creative flotation devices.
0: There are many, many funny uh, examples of different flotation devices used by some of us in the field. Uh, One includes an inflatable Loch Ness monster used by um, my uh, PhD supervisor.
2: But regardless of the particular flotation device, Julius only collects sounds for a short amount of time and then leaves. This approach works well because Julius's research just focuses on coral reefs, but you couldn't possibly keep track of sounds across the entire ocean this way. Luckily, there are permanent hydrophone listening posts stationed all around the world. Many of these systems were originally put into place to listen for submarines during the Cold War, but now they provide a wealth of fascinating ocean sounds. That quacking noise has been recorded several times in the Southern Ocean since the 1960s. The noises always come in sets spaced about 3.1 seconds apart, and they have been heard simultaneously in the Eastern Weddell Sea off Antarctica and Western Australia. For decades, researchers have been baffled by the so-called bio-duck sound, thinking that perhaps it was human-made. However, in 2014, Scientists determined the true culprit, Antarctic minke whales. It took more than 50 years for researchers to determine the source, and they still don't know why exactly the minke whales make the sound, just that they do. But scientists have even less information about a lot of other strange ocean sounds. This is a sound called Julia, which was collected by the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in 1999 and played at 16 times speed. Researchers aren't 100% sure, but they think it's the sound of a large iceberg running aground in Antarctica. The crazy thing? The sound was picked up in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, over 4,000 miles away. And Julia is only one out of a huge collection of unidentified ocean sounds.
0: The, I mean, the majority of sounds that we have under the ocean are still mysteries. We don't know what they are, we don't know what 90% of or more of uh, fish sounds are, for example. It's something that most people have never experienced and never really understood how noisy our underwater environments actually are on a normal day-to-day basis. We, we always get the charismatic species, whale sounds, dolphin clicks, uh, and, and then some of these mysterious sounds, but actually this whole soundscape underneath there is fascinating.
2: despite all the work that researchers like Julius have done to understand ocean sounds, we still don't know what most of them are. And if we don't know what the sounds are in the first place, it makes it difficult to understand how humans are changing them. This is an especially tough challenge because we are changing the ocean in so many different ways. We've already talked about how overfishing and other human damages to coral reefs are making them quieter. But we're also making other parts of the ocean much, much louder. Construction, shipping and transport, underwater drilling. All of these activities produce huge amounts of underwater noise. And we really have no idea how this sound pollution is impacting the underwater world.
0: We really need to start taking an ecosystem approach to understanding what effects, if any, there are on the organisms that Naturally, use sounds. So, we have quite a few examples of the different effects that human activities, uh, such as shipping or pile driving, might have on fish, on cetaceans, on crustaceans, but we really don't yet have a full understanding of how these sounds are changing the ecosystem and how the ecosystem is adapting to the sound pollution that we're putting into our seas.
2: Here is an example of what this sound pollution might sound like underwater. That was the sound of a large ship passing by a hydrophone array. The low-frequency booming noise may not sound that extreme in this recording, but imagine if you had to listen to it all the time. Think about the sounds of a highway. They may not be that bothersome on your morning commute, but would you want to live right next door? Shipping lanes are like ocean highways and the marine mammals that live near them have trouble feeding and communicating. In a recent study, Researchers found that many seals around the UK are exposed to so much ship traffic that they actually experience temporary hearing loss. Today, humans are changing ocean soundscapes faster than we can possibly study and understand them. The human impact on marine ecosystems is pervasive, so it's hard to even get a baseline when we don't know what they're supposed to sound like it's been said so many times now that it's a cliché but we know less about the depths of the ocean than we do about the surface of mars so now more than ever we should start listening
0: there's a whole new world that really people should be not opening their eyes to but opening their ears to one of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, a picture tells you a thousand words but a sound can tell you a thousand pictures.
1: producer Megan Shea. All of us at Genanthro wish you congratulations and best of luck next year on your Rhodes Scholarship. We are nearing the end of this season of Generation Anthropocene. We're breaking from our release schedule and we expect that our season finale will air late next week. Keep an eye on your feed. This episode was Masterfully Mixed by Jackson Roach. Our show is produced by Mike Osborne, Miles Treyer, and me, Leslie Chang. Thanks as always to Tom Hayden. Thank you for listening, take care, and we'll be back soon.
2: These crackles come from snapping shrimp,
1: are they, is this a specific species or just shrimp snapping generally? It's a specific speci- species of <laughs> shrimp called the snapping shrimp. Okay. These crackles come from snapping shrimp. These crackles come from snapping shrimp. <laughs> you keep going snapping shrimp. I know. <laughs> All snapping right, we'll come back shrimp. to it.
2: Snapping shrimp.
1: Take two later. <laughs> snapping shrimp. Snapping Not shrimp. shrimp.